Lab Rats. Welcome to Send This to Trace. I'm Hannah. I'm Emily. And we're two best friends who are recapping one of our favorite shows, CSI Crime Scene Investigation. Join us as we make our way through the top 50 ranked episodes and get a heaping dose of 2000s nostalgia along the way. Let's get to it! Woo! Ow! That won't go right. <laughs> I, I think we should probably, we'll just start. Who are we? I just realized. <laughs> so... <laughs> Look at this! Who? <laughs> you got it written. Who? <laughs> I really want to. I really want. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell it's like eight p.m. after we've worked all yeah. day. Yeah, it's I'm been so a day. Tired. Okay. okay, so even in my notes on my phone, I put the Who theme song gets my soul every time. It really does. Like, it brings back so much nostalgia. It really does. It's like, just get you there. Get, get you in that mindset <laughs> of, like, does. we're watching CSI bitches. Like, <laughs> this is what we're doing. Some freaking murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name is Hannah. And I'm Emily. And we're two best friends of 20 years now. Pushing it. Pushing 20. <laughs> Pushing 20 years. <laughs> at least 18. Yeah, we, at we least 18. At least 18. So we decided to start a recap podcast of CSI, which is a show that means quite a bit to the both of us. Absolutely. And one that we've got a real core connection to. And the way we've decided to do it, since there's about a blue billion episodes of CSI, is to look at the top 50 ranked episodes from IMDb and go through them in chronological order. From season one all the way to season 15 at the very end of the series. And we're going to be recapping them. And it's going to be loads of fun. And we're going to talk about how some of the crazy stuff that happens in CSI holds up. We're talking about the storyline, obviously. Fashion choices. Dear God. All of that, <laughs> all of that stuff. <laughs> so The early 2000s. Yes. So what is our history with CSI? Why is it important to us? My first memories of CSI was number one middle school, which was not in 2000 when the show started. This was like 2005. So we were a little bit late to the game, or at least I was. 2005, 2006 Yes, right at the height of CSI popularity. So I found it to be like my very first water cooler show to like, what that means is like you go to work or school and you hang around the water cooler, quote unquote. And you talk about it with your coworkers. Everybody's seen it. It's kind of like Game of Thrones. Oh. Like, it's it's a show that, like, everybody was watching and everybody cared about. And everybody was, like, completely up to date with the storyline. So, like, I would come to school on Friday after the episode aired on Thursday night. And, like, everybody would be talking about, like, the miniature killer this. Or, like, Lady Heather this. And I remember being like, I have to know what's going on. Like, what is what is this show? And so that's when I started to beg my parents to let me watch it. Which was another thing altogether. Herbal because in, in and of itself, yeah. Yeah, because we're 11. And it is pretty gory. It, I don't, you, I didn't realize it that when I was a kid. Because yeah. I remember, like, watching it now as an adult. And I was like, whoo. Lord. I, know. I was like, uh, dang, our okay. parents let us watch this? Okay. okay. All right. Uh, clearly, we were only watching this for Greg, okay? So this is the whole point of We were. Things. It is. We, like, so, can we please watch this show? Because there's this really pretty down So, and we were friends anyway in middle school. And so then we both started watching the show at the same time once we got over that hurdle of our parents. And when we started watching it, we discovered a character named Greg on the show who was a regular 
and he was fun with a capital F to two middle school girls <laughs> that were 12 <laughs> that were 12 and we would text each other when Greg was doing stuff in the episode and we would find online pictures and send them to each other and especially when he actually goes out into the field yeah when he like, like oh, is no. not in the lab anymore and I'm like yes <laughs> like you can't do that to our Greg <laughs> spread your wings Greg <laughs> protect fly anyway it's like treasure it's a show that we watched for several years while it was on we it kind of fizzled out toward the end when some of the like main characters started to go and all that stuff but our love for the best of the best CSI has always been in our hearts and so we were just talking about it and Emily was like let's do a podcast where we talk about CSI and I was like yes I'm I'm here even even my husband was like watching it quote unquote watching it with me and he was like you found that dork attractive I'm yeah. like, listen, Linda, we are 12 <laughs> years old, okay? Our standards clearly are not that high. No, have you seen a 12-year-old boy? Like, that's what we, <laughs> that's what we that's have to That's what we from. have to compare to. Yeah. Okay? So, I was like, just don't don't worry about it. This is mine and Hannah's, and this is what we attached ourselves to, and there we go. And it's a big source of nostalgia even today, so Absolutely. that leads us up to now, like we said, Get them, get them the 50 ranked episodes of CSI. We're going to go through them one by uh, from the season one through season 15, and we're going to recap them for you. So, starting out with our very first episode, which is episode seven of season one, and it is called Blood Drops. And where this falls in the ranking of IMDb is it's ranked number eight of all time. All CSI episodes, this one is ranked number eight, which is a pretty high place to start, if you ask me. Yes. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read us a synopsis of the episode so we can kind of get an idea of where the story is. And Emily, jump in with any, like, um, things from the other episodes, like earlier ones that might be beneficial. Because jumping around like this, we might miss a few things that are important. So, yes, we're going to do our best. (laughs) We will watch uh, all the episodes, or at least I'm going to. I'm sure Hannah will too. But Mm -hmm. um, I uh, watched... Starting, I watched this episode first, and then I went back and started at the beginning, because this is episode seven. So I went back to the beginning, I'm like, okay, I need to figure out like where we're at in the characters, because I, I can't remember it, and it's been quite some time. It's been I've, several years. Yeah, since I've actually watched <clears throat> this up all the way through. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So, so when we go over each episode, we're definitely going to give some background to like what has happened character-wise. But also focus on the actual episode. Yes. Itself. And why it is among the top 50 ranked CSI episodes. Because yes. over 15 seasons, you amass a lot of episodes. So we're hoping that we can kind of cut through the fodder and get to the, the best of the best. Yes. And to see how, what we think, why it was ranked yes. that particular spot on this top 50 list. Yes. So it's going to sound weird when we have... Oh, well, this is like eight on the list, but this is our first episode. Okay, well, we're in season one. Right. So, we can't jump around We didn't around want to jump early. around in the story because that would get even more confusing. Plus, when yeah. we get to like our serial killers, like the miniature killer and things like that, it's going to be really satisfying to be able up. to go through. Yes. Yeah. Like so. the characters itself in the show build up to these cases. Yes. To, to like do that. Yes. So, after a lot of rambling, I'm going to yes. begin our episode summary of... Season 1, Episode 7, Blood Drops. 
The episode opens with a teenage girl running from her home at night and calling for help. We aren't too sure what the problem is, but they do focus the camera on some weird lawn rabbits for multiple shots. Did you notice that? How many rabbits were in? So I put in my notes, I was like, is this an Easter episode? (laughs) (laughs) What time of year is this set? I think it's September, honestly. I think it came out in September. I should know this when it came out. Oh, like when the actual episode came yes. out or like when it's like set? When the actual episode came out because yeah, usually usually shows tend to release their episodes around the actual like time of year that it's set. Yeah. And my immediate thought was, this is an Easter episode. <laughs> so stupid. I don't, I don't know what's but, creepier. Gnomes? Like focusing in on a gnome yeah. at night or a dang ceramic rabbit there was like four of them and they were just staring and then there were also like rabbits throughout the episode but they had no significance zero they they didn't explain it they didn't make it like Unless a weird thing it was thing. just like what they decorated with and they just happened to be i in guess the I maybe really that's creepy yeah Anyway, Grissom arrives at the scene and we're given a rundown of what happened along with him. So the teenager's name is Tina Collins and she, along with her younger sister, Brenda, are the only survivors of a murder spree in their home. So their father, mother, and two brothers have all been killed inside the house. And Tina states that she heard a noise and hid in the closet during the attack, which explains why she was not killed. So it's, uh, I was mentioned to you earlier that like, the acting in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. It's, trust me, I am no actor. <laughs> I cannot perform by any stretch of the means. Yeah. But sometimes it gets a little, ooh, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it gets a little weird. But I, I've also focused on body language, too. I, that's just something that I notice with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we get to the part where about Brenda, mm-hmm. the character that plays Brenda, dear Lord. Little Kids baby Dakota are, Fanning. Yeah, I, I, it took me forever to figure out. No, I, as soon as as soon as she came up, I was like, I was "What? Yes!" yes. <laughs> I love she's her. She's in a lot of things, and she actually plays the character really well. As she far does. As, like, she's a very good, creepy. like creepy kid. Yeah. She's anyway, so Grissom begins his walk through the home, and it's a very surprisingly thorough walk through. Like compared to newer episodes of CSI, I felt like this one they were like. Like, he walked through the whole entryway with his note-taker person, and he walked up the stairs, and he was like, this does this, this does this. And I was like, I don't feel like they give Grissom as much time to explain himself in the later episodes, or I don't remember them doing that. It just felt, it felt very procedural to me, which is, Mm. I think is interesting. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess they are on their eighth episode, so, like, you don't have, like, a... Well, see, like, how that, let's make a mental note of, like, how that develops. Yeah. It makes sense for earlier episodes, because your audience doesn't have, like... A rapport yet? Like, they're not thinking, oh, the tracks must be going this way. That means so-and-so. Like, they're not thinking that yet because yeah. they've not seen 15, like 15 the, seasons. Like, how they process things. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, Sarah shows up to take over note-taking duties. Even though she's not even on the clock, she shows up to work. Sarah drives me nuts. We're, we'll get into this. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, 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 Sarah is my least favorite character. But anyway... <laughs> She kind of like she, fluctuates. And she does. And she has growth. So we'll get to that, obviously, yeah. later on. But I, I remember she was like, I was listening to the police scanner and heard that you had this case. I'm like, Sarah, do you like sit at home and just wait for things to happen and go into work when you don't have to? Like, who the hell does that? But she does. Okay, so this is where the, like, going back to the other episodes before and after. Uh-huh. Because I watched those. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, like, who in the world? Like, does she do that in other episodes? 
Well, okay, so I think it's it's like so it kind of describes where it kind of tells pretty early on Grissom's personality mm -hmm. as far as like how he approaches science and victims. Like he's not a people person, he's not an emotional person. Yeah, he's all about the science. He like can kind of shut that off. Mm -hmm. Sarah is on the other end of that spectrum. That's true. She's very emotional about things. Mega. And there's some, there's some episodes where she, like, gets a little too attached and it, like, gets a little... Gets yeah, a little and it gets messy for her. But then they kind of have, like, this little banter saying, like, he basically has no life. Right. In the sense of, like, he goes home and, like, does crossword puzzles and what whatever, like, just mundane things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she does the same thing. She Just in a different way. Just in a different way. She's just more personal. She just listens to the police it's scanner like instead of doing... Yeah. Yeah. That or, like, reading murders. Okay. Or, like, she, like... That's helpful. Really develops... Like, she's really consumed in her work. Yeah. That makes more sense because... Just other outlets. I know that... It, make, it would make sense for Grissom to be listening to police scanner and show up when he's not on duty. Right. But... But Sarah's personality is more like back and forth to where with the background you gave it makes more sense that she would do that. Right, yeah, and it's it, it's so they kinda like had this like little not really a bicker, but like it was it was kind of a pissant contest of yeah. like, well, you're like this stoic, you know, solid person that does it you have zero emotion. Mm -hmm. You could care care less about yeah, you just yeah, care yeah. about the facts. And she gets a little too attached, but she's also on the science part of it because she, like, just consumes her, even her personal time. Right. So, yeah. Uh, trust me, I'm going to be in bed. Uh, <laughs> I do not care matter, what's on that police scanner. It doesn't matter I'm how much I am consumed in my job. No. That is when I'm in bed. Yes. <laughs> like, uh -uh. People be weird. So, Sarah and Grissom continue to walk through the house. We learn that the mother and both brothers were stabbed in their rooms while the father appears to have been killed in the hallway since there are no drag marks from moving his body. So, he was stabbed. He was killed right where he fell. Creepily, there are blood swirl patterns painted on the walls near, the two, near two of the bodies. And this makes the team suspect that a cult is involved. Grissom decides to call an all-hands-on-deck with the investigation and begins to talk with the two sisters. Tina is very concerned about the well-being of Brenda, which, like we said, is little baby Dakota Fanning, who has become catatonic from what happened in the home, from the trauma of what she's experienced. While Brenda refuses to answer any of Grissom's questions, she does creepily say, The Buffalo. Which is, ugh. It was very creepy. Just, the music, just like, like her, ugh. The music, they, they always say, like, that's what they do, like, and um, I don't really watch scary movies or, you know, this and the other, but, like, the music is what gets you. Yes. That's what gets me. Honestly, the music in face, this in this whole episode was great, and her little face with her big eyes. Yeah. Like, she's a great catatonic, traumatized child. <laughs> Playing yeah. one. She says, the buffalo, and that's the only thing that she'll say. And Sarah is instructed to accompany Brenda to the hospital. And here's again me being upset with Sarah. <laughs> I've literally put in my nose. I said, Sarah pulls a bitch fit about it. <laughs> she does. She says the worst line. She says, Ugh, this is the biggest crime of the year. And I, she says, I have to babysit her. I have to be, play like taxi to this kid. Yeah. And I'm like, shut the fuck <laughs> It's like this little girl has experienced trauma. She needs someone to help her. You're going to step up and help her and you're not going to be like, this is the biggest crime of the year. Is it, it was so, yeah. so tackless. It was, <laughs> Shut it up. Was, it was a lot. Yeah. And it's like, I would rather send a woman with that child, especially after what had happened. Yeah, like who are you going to send Grissom with her? Yeah, <laughs> like he just said. He's not personable, trust me. Like he's, he could care less. About, I mean, he cares about solving the, the murder. Yeah. Right? 
any kind of like episode that either alludes to satanic or mm-hmm. like culty stuff culty stuff makes like a huge pit in my stomach of course i also listen to uh true crime podcasts and i feel like i'm a little mm. like mindset of just a little more a little extra yeah is so it just like kind of makes me nervous because that that is a, unfortunately a mm-hmm. very real thing it does happen yes and it's it is scary. So after Grissom has called everybody on deck, Catherine, Nick, and Warwick arrive looking mega 2000 chic. We'll get to the fashion uh, fashion later. <laughs> yes. uh, Grissom gives them all their assignments and heads into the kitchen with the detective. He, uh, Grissom finds that a knife is missing and... <laughs> The detectives have no idea that a knife might be missing from the kitchen. They're like, what are you looking in the kitchen for, Grissom? Like, they're idiots. Yeah, I'm like, what is your job title? It's like, these detectives know damn well that they would check for... But anyway, the whole I know the point is to paint Grissom as this super mega smart guy that, like, knows better. Anyway, it just made me laugh. The stupidity. Yeah. But because the knife is missing from the drawer, Grissom assumes that that means that the killer's familiar with the house layout, which means that he knows the people inside. Grissom then discovers footprints on the kitchen floor and determines that they actually belong to the paramedics that responded to the scene. Boom, boom. Grissom is generally a grumpy puss during this whole exchange <laughs> and decides to keep all he the info. He is very. He's so grouchy. Very grouchy. He, he, I know his character is grouchy, but in this episode, I wrote it down like three times. It's like Grissom thinks this person's an idiot. <laughs> all these people he thinks are they're super all incompetent. Idiots. And he's like, mad about it. what are we it. doing? Yeah. So, anyway, he is a grumpy puss during the whole exchange and decides to keep all the info he gets in the case to himself and his team. He doesn't want to share with the detective or anything like that. That's going to come up later. So, and while... They don't, want to keep, they don't want to compete with the day shifters. The day shifters. We'll so get to the, that as well. Yes, <laughs> because they are the night shift. Mm-hmm. And there's a big old competition. There is. And there's a big old hot mess yep. um, when it comes to, like, these cases. Yes. So, yes. So, while searching the perimeter, which is his assignment, Nick finds a bitty, beady cigarette? He said beady, and I was like, what the hell are you saying? (laughs) What is that? It's spelled B-I-D-I, cigarette, and a used match. And Warwick comes across some tracks that appear to be from a dirt bike. So, they both got their evidence that they need to examine and compare and everything. Uh Catherine... My queen, I love her. Begins Catherine. She's she can be She's like a very awesome. <laughs> intense character. I love Catherine so much. Yeah, she just she she definitely has like a like strong character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the thing, she begins gathering blood samples inside the house, and she and Grissom decide that the cult theory doesn't hold ground. It looks more like an imitation of a cult murder. So that theory has Which been thrown sad. out the window. Yes, because people do that. Yeah, like why would you want to do that? I have like I, no I just, but people. The psychology behind all these murders, mm-hmm. regardless if it's like, obviously this is a TV show. Yeah. But they do play off of like actual things that happen. Yeah. And it, the psychology mm-hmm. will make your head spin. It will indeed. Like it just, it's crazy. Yep. So Grissom and Catherine conclude that the mother was killed first in her sleep based on the blood evidence with the father getting up out of bed and trying to run down the hallway to the kids where he was then killed. There's a problem with this theory, though. There's no blood leading down the hallway from the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And there would be if he'd come from the bedroom. They believe Tina to be their prime suspect and that she had help with the murders. Tina gets interrogated about her sexual partners or any other partners that she would have. And we've discovered that she slept with a lot of boys, but she's not really interested in any of them. And when Grissom brings up the buffalo, Tina gets this really weird expression on her face and she claims to have no knowledge of what that means or why Brenda would say something like that. 
Which is really sad because that that shows that there's a trauma there that she doesn't want to talk about. Yeah. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, oh, like what, you know, obviously we know what the episode is about. Yeah. But it kind of like the psychology behind it is like, oh, she's like really. She's really She reacted to it and there's something that she's like really. Yeah. And I like, I had never seen this episode before. I don't think if I had it been a long time. And I wasn't expecting her to like know what the buffalo meant. I thought that was something that like this little girl made up to like associate with something else. But right. We'll get to that. And even though Sarah is still being a brat about her assignment, <laughs> Brenda <laughs> Brenda has somehow attached herself to Sarah, making it possible for Sarah to go with Brenda during her psychiatric examination. Which I think is very smart. It is smart. Yes, indeed. Brenda still refuses to speak during the examination. In the meantime, Warwick discovers that the tire treads he found match a scooter that belongs to a neighborhood teenager named Oliver. When Oliver's questioned, he reveals that he co-owns the scooter with three other teens in the area and that he was out of town when the murders took place. At the same time, Grissom cannot find any blood on Tina's clothes, which makes her story that she went to check on her family really sus. Mm -hmm. So Sarah reports that during the psychiatric exam, Brenda became very upset when the name Buffalo was mentioned. So she's not saying anything, but when you say Buffalo, she freaks out. She's sitting there drawing a picture and that's... Like, psychology-wise, that's how they kind of, like, cope kids yeah. to do, like, to kind of talk about things. But she is, like, zero. Nothing. Zero uh, verbiage. Mm-hmm. Like you said, when she mentions, uh, when Sarah mentions the buffalo, mm-hmm. she immediately reacts to that. Yeah. Pulls up the paper and, like, tosses it. Right. And, like, doesn't want to be associated with that. Yep. Next, we have Nick and Brass. And they begin interviewing th- the three other owners of the scooter. With the tired marks. One owner named Jesse has a pack of BD, I keep wanting to say Biddy, cigarettes <laughs> yeah. and a matchbook on him, which Nick promptly matches to the ones found at the scene. Additionally, the scooter is found disassembled in Jesse's garage along with his bloody clothes, so my dude is looking guilty as sin. Yeah, and he's in the interrogation room. And he thinks that he could just whip out a cigarette and start smoking. Are you really that stupid? Did you see the, like, bloody pants that they pulled out of that garbage can? That was the... It was, like, dried yes. red paint. Yes. It and it's like still... A, some of it's it still like an looked art wet. project. Some of it still looked wet. And I'm like, what are when we doing? They, when they pulled that out, I was, like, cackling. <laughs> I was like, God. You well, can tell this is season one. Yes. Um, <laughs> which, thank God, it got renewed. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> 15 seasons. Jesse pleads guilty and and agrees to take a lie detector test. He is shown to have been deceitful when he states that he killed Tina's family so that the two of them could be together. So why the hell did he do it at all if he's lying when he says he did it so they could be together? His expressions during that make make me cringe. Yeah, he was really into it, wasn't he? It's a little too much. Yes! Yes! No! (laughs) And it's like, and then he just like perks up and he's like, Yes. Oh my god. I'm like, just stop. <laughs> like, I just, I can't, I don't know what it is. Like I said, I focus on people's body language. I am a weird person. My entire body says what I'm thinking. <laughs> so I can't hide anything. So for him to, like, really go for it, mm-hmm. like, come on now. Yeah, it was really funny. Stop doing that. <laughs> Grissom goes to Eckley and says that he should share evidence. With that's the day the, shift. That's the like, day shift guy. Yes. So this is, I saw read this online. This is Eckley's first appearance in the entire series. Is it? Is this episode, yes. Which I found very interesting because the way they introduce him sounds like he's been there forever. Right. But I didn't know that. I thought Eckley was part of the later seasons because he continues to have a big 
like part of the show, which is kind of interesting like that that goes. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that that lasted for freaking seasons and seasons. I thought it was just kind of a. Hmm, I'll probably realize it when I go through it all. Yeah, yeah like it'll make more sense. Remember it because I remember the majority of these episodes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I, I didn't realize that. Anyway, Conrad Eckley is like we said, he is the manager over the day shift CSIs. Grissom is head over the night shift CSIs, and they've got this big rivalry. Which honestly, for night shift people, they do a lot of daytime work. I'm just saying. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> like, half in the nighttime, and then half the time Nick's crawling around in the dirt in the middle of the day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, he Grissom goes to Eckley and said that they should be sharing evidence between the night shift and the day shift workers, which shouldn't that be protocol anyway? Like, you're trying to solve the crime. Like, like who cares said, who freaking does it? It's a pissing contest. It is a pissing it's contest. It's just an ego man that are, like, supervisors. And I, I don't know, like, even, like, in the previous episodes, I don't know what uh, I'd have to go back and look yeah. for, like, if they're what started the, like, the rivalry. Yep. But I think it's, like, they have, like, a baseball team. And the night shift won. They have a baseball team. Yes. <gasps> and so they, um, so Does Greg play like, baseball? They taught it, huh? Does Greg play baseball? I don't know. Darn it. Wait, sorry. I really don't know. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Uh, side note, let's uh, keep keep that in mind. Yep. Um, yep. And so it's in one of the episodes, it was it was talking about like the, the competition that these two supervisors are having over this evidence is like, well, we just whooped y'all in it's, baseball. It's stupid. And, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, so it's stupid. ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, Grissom, in this new evidence from Eckley, from the Day Shift People, finds a bloody buffalo medallion along with this, and along with this, um, da, da, da. he finds a bloody buffalo medallion among this new evidence. Brenda is checked by Sarah for sexual abuse, and it's determined that she may have, she has many buried bruises. Catherine reviews her blood mapping and realizes that the father was coming from Brenda's room at the time of the murders instead of the bedroom, which explains the lack of blood trail in the hallway. After this, we get a bit of a look into Catherine's personal life when her ex-husband, Eddie, turns her in for child neglect, which is a choice, I guess. But we don't learn anything yeah. more about that yet. Like, they they have this, like, moment where she goes to pick up Lindsay, and she's late because she's been doing the blood mapping. Yeah. And Eddie seems very forgiving, he in the seems moment. very forgiving in the moment and then just turns around and reports her to like DCS, yeah. I guess. They have a really toxic relationship um, because like in the episodes before, yeah. it's just, it's like a, they're, they're like getting a divorce or they're separated or something. I call him her ex-husband. He might not be an official ex yet. I think they're in the process. Okay. And he's just a bum. And he's mm. a liar and cheater and, and all the things above. And <sighs> she is a workaholic. But at the same time... Her look at her job. Yeah, you know, mystery and it's, has so to be. it's not fair to her, and it's also not fair to her daughter. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a tight little. Thing. It is, and we get a lot of mm-hmm. Lindsay and Catherine moving forward, like their mother daughter yeah, like, relationship, and it's sprinkled throughout the seasons. It is, and I can't remember what episode it was, if it was before or after that. Um, she it may have been after this episode, talking about um, she was upset because her daughter didn't want to have a birthday party. Yeah. And she just, like, could not believe that she, of all things, she didn't want to have a birthday party. And I was like, what in the world? All she wanted was to have a day with her mom. That is so sad. That is all she... And, oh, but it, But it was, like, a really nice moment of, like... Yeah. She was sitting there eating ice cream with her, and she was like, so, Lindsay, like, why did you not want to have a birthday party? She was like, I just wanted to spend the day with you. Bless her heart. And it was, like, the cutest little moment Poor ever. Little Lindsay. So that shows what kind of mom she is to her that Lindsay sees. Yeah. And her ex-husband more than likely going to be a soon-to-be ex-husband, 
is just making her look like this neglectful workaholic mom that doesn't even care. Yeah. So ask the kids, you know? Yes. Adults can be petty. <laughs> Listen so, to kids. Yeah. So Grissom decides to sit down with Tina one more time and says that he knows Brenda was being sexually abused by their father. This kind of triggers Tina to tell the truth. And she shares that she was also sexually abused by her father for years when she was younger. And that, here's the big twist, she is the mother of Brenda. Her father would wear the buffalo medallion while the abuse took place. She says that the whole family was murdered because they refused to protect her. We also see her mom willingly let it happen, which is capital D disgusting. Yes. Tina doesn't regret her actions and says that she did all she needed to protect her daughter. And that's the end of the episode. It's really sad because, especially when they do the flashbacks and they figure out the the blood spider pattern and and figure out that the dad is going into um, Brenda's room. Mm-hmm. Uh, disgusting all around. Oh, it's um, terrible. But the this the fact that that is incest too, Ugh. it just it builds a whole nother like psychological level. Oh, it's horrible. And it, and at the end, it's like, do you blame her? Do you I mean, bl- no. Obviously. That I do not condone murder. No, golly. Could you imagine if you had, if you were abused by this person for years, you had a child, regardless of who's the dad, uh and this same person that abused you begins abusing your kid, and everybody around you that's supposed to protect you is just fine with it. Yeah. Like, that's awful. I don't even know what that would do to your brain. Obviously, you know, we, as outsiders looking in, be like, hey, why don't you leave? Like, why don't you go... And make a laugh. Yeah, because it's not really clear how old Tina is, unless I just missed it. I imagined that she was, like, older high school years or, like, early college age. I don't really know. She was 13. Right. And Brenda's, like, what, five or six? So she's probably about 18, 19 years old. She's probably closer to 20 than... Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, at that point, I mean, yeah, she's in high school. I mean, what is she supposed to do? And she said that she, like, hid it for so long. And, like, she's like, nobody nobody noticed that my clothes were getting bigger. Right, because yeah. Because nobody cared. Nobody cared. And That then, was awful. Like, yeah. So, like, I mean, do you blame her for, yeah, she kind of psychologically went off the deep end. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's just people are disgusting. And for people to, like, stand by and let that happen... That's pretty, it's the mom. When I saw the mom, pathetic. like, yeah. standing in the door, I was like, ew. Yeah. No. It'll, like, rip your heart out. <sighs> yeah. Oh, for man. sure. That was a rough one, especially there toward the end. It was hard. But it wasn't a cult. No, uh, it wasn't or, a cult. <laughs> yay. Uh, but, I mean, like I said, it, it doesn't, I'm not condoning murder by any means. Um, but they, they tried to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to make that look like it's something that it wasn't. Yes. But. Yes. All right, so now that we've gone through kind of the episode, we're going to look at a few things for each one of the episodes that we review, like different little sections that we're going to have for this podcast. So the very first one is called Does This Hold Up? (laughs) And (laughs) basically what I have down for Does This Hold Up for this episode is the technology that they use to solve the murders. Mm -hmm. Now, I know as we get into later episodes, I feel like the technology is a little whack as far as like whether it's real or whether it works as well as it does. But I wrote down two different things that they did in this episode, like as far as technology goes. So Mm -hmm. the first one is they use an electrostatic um, device to pick up footprints, like from the linoleum or wherever in the kitchen. Uh And that is actually something that is used. And I had no idea that they could pull footprints It's like pretty that. impressive. I, I was looking at that, too, and I actually meant to look that up mm-hmm. as well. Um, but, yeah, to, to know that he, like, 
he saw it to begin with. Yeah. Is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, our, our eyes are very, very crazy in that sense. Yeah. And the fact that he, like, knew to, like, how to lift that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was pretty impressive. And then he's like, these dinglings coming up in here and messing up my... Well, there wasn't anything in the kitchen to... How to dare you step in things when you're trying to see if they're alive? Like, Grissom, calm down. Like, chill out. Ugh. Like, everybody's, like, in chaos mode, okay? Like, there's been, like, a huge mass murder. Yes. And, like, everybody's trying to figure it out. Yes. And the other piece of technology is the infrared camera that Sarah used to see if Brenda had any bruises. And that is also something that is regularly used in crime scene investigations. That is really impressive. I -hmm. I did like the approach that I'm glad that she built a rapport with Brenda and didn't honestly didn't even want to. Yeah. But she tried. Yeah. The scene where she was like... Showing Brenda, like, it's going to be okay. This picture's not going to hurt. Here, let me take one of me. Yeah. And, like, that was actually very sweet. Sarah gets half a point added to her for, for that scene. <laughs> yeah. No, she she's, like, rocky at first about being with this little girl. And then she yep. unknowingly builds a rapport with her because she doesn't want to go with the social worker. I mean, do you blame her? Mm-hmm. And um, so she attaches herself to Sarah. Mm-hmm. And then so she, like, slowly builds that trust. And, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's where, like her attachment comes to the cases like builds up to her yeah. attachment as like a person mm-hmm. to, to those um grissom he's just dry as a he is dry, uh, dry as a bona desert yes um yeah so that's all i had for does this hold up and actually it does which i was very impressed with and there wasn't a lot of technology used there wasn't so like in in CSI episodes, in CSI episodes that I'm more familiar with, I feel like there's a lot of back and forth between the crime scene and the lab, crime scene and the lab, right. crime scene and the lab. This one was literally pretty much all in the house. Like they went to the lab like maybe what once or twice. Yeah, and that was it. So yeah, it was really self-contained. Yeah, um, but in the episodes before, is I don't, I still don't think that they go to the lab as much. Yeah, until like later on when we get like we get forth. a lot more main characters. I feel like, and a lot of them work at the lab, like Greg yes. and Hodges, and there's several others. Yes, uh, Archie. I mean, goodness, mm-hmm. we could go on. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, that was <laughs> does this hold up? Uh, our next segment we're going to call the fashion report. So we're gonna look into the 2000s fashion. Oh dear. And we, I have notes for the fashion report. I have three in particular. My Uh first one is just Nick's pleated khakis. (laughs) So there's a shot in general. There's this shot that I just is in my brain from watching this episode. Nick is standing in the doorway, facing away from us, and his pants are like huge. They're huge and they're They're not flattering. No, they're so ugly. And he's like crawling around the dirt in them and Stop. Like, who dressed you? Stop. They're so bad. <clears throat> oh my gosh. So I had that. I also had Catherine's outfit is 100 out of 10. I loved it. That like blue collared shirt thing that she was wearing. Yes. It was very 2000s, but it was very flattering. And I feel like it's like in fashion now, honestly. It is, but. Yeah. We all went through the phase of the low run jeans. We did. Okay. It's, you can't you can't deny it. It was the early two thousands. Everybody was doing it, and I don't care what comes back into style. I will never, never do that again. No, there's mm-hmm. there's too much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, what bothers me is maybe it's just like a a, a comfort thing for me. Her shirt sits right <laughs> at the top of her pants. It does, and when she moves, every it little moves. like <laughs> it moves. <laughs> 
and you can see her skin, and like it's like her shirt and her pants. That's like what drives separate. me nuts about Gilmore Girls. Lorelai oh, is the same Jesus. way because yes. hello, it's the year two thousand. Everybody's like, doing that. If you're gonna do that, wear a crop top. <laughs> I mean, just go it, for if it. We're, if we're gonna just really go for it, <laughs> but that honestly, looking back on the two thousands, that was the style. It was for better like, or for worse. And the magazines that we that we looked at. Mm-hmm. Um, TV shows like it's clearly yeah. Catherine is a main detective in this mm-hmm. and she's wearing that and I'm like I saw that shirt and I was like stop <laughs> like it just I don't know it's just like a I don't know it, yeah the low riding jeans okay I can handle that mm-hmm. used to wear those whatever I feel like Catherine pulls those off she does yeah and it looked good but the shirt we gotta we gotta go a little further. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta go one way or the other. If, you either go it, long or you go short. <laughs> if you're if you're wanting it to seem like it's like one with your pants, tuck it in. Yeah. If not, it needs to be over <laughs> over the pants. Over the pants. And then the last thing that I noted was how the teenage boys dressed when they were gone. <laughs> when they were questioning them, they had the hugest shirts on and like frosted spiky tips, and they looked. Like the most like nineteen ninety nine scumbag children I've ever seen. It okay. So I don't know what the evolution of uh, clothes and hair takes um, on people, but I don't know what was going on in two thousands. I don't we know. Were, if we, we were ex- seven. Experimenting. <laughs> like I don't know. I don't know what we we're experimenting on, but there was no true like. That you know, like the the seventies had a style, the eighties, yeah. you know, all the things, and then you get to the two thousands, and everybody's like, "Well, crap." It's very, it it's an in between thing. It's a weird, like I imagine it in like a teenager going through puberty. Yeah, you just you want all the things, and you want to like do like your brain is just like, "Ooh, I want to do that." Ooh, yeah, I just want to just. Like, it was like the whole like. This whole generation went through puberty at the same time. Yes. In like pop culture Every, and fashion. And it didn't matter what age you were. <laughs> you it just was, went through it together. Everybody went through it together. The frosted tips. My brother had frosted tips. <laughs> Dear God. And he had dark hair. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the frosted tips. Is, anyways. So um, that and the bagginess. Everything was so big. The, I, I'm okay with comfort. Yes. You know? Like... It beats Karen or Catherine's shirt riding up. You just need a shape. Is it just, you, just any kind of shape? A something. seam, especially Nick's or, pants. Gosh, those pants are so bad. Yeah, they were a little fluffy. Do and he any... is not a fluffy guy. No, it does not fit his character at all. <laughs> Did you have anything else for Le Fashion? No, because um, what we come up next is. Uh, when we do talk about Greg, um, yeah, or lack thereof, the, yeah, that's actually the next section. Is How's okay? Greg looking in this episode? Greg is looking like nothing because he's not. He's a not part even of in it. it. I was so mad. <laughs> I like what is he coming in? Because in that literally, we give him an entire section for him, and it's our first episode. And I'm like, all right, time to take detailed notes about Greg and what he's doing, what he's looking, his character, what all his that hair's stuff. doing, what his clothes are doing, and what he's doing. Nothing. No. So disappointing. So, but then when you look at the other episodes prior to that, he's like barely sprinkled in there, <laughs> and I don't know what we're doing with the hair. But I found a picture, and okay. we'll post it. Yeah, we will. Um, on the uh, the Instagrams. Little season one, baby Greg. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> the hair. That shirt. Look at that collar. He's like coming up over. His shirts are a little wildin'. They are. Now, that's it's, part of his, like, that's a thing that that's they reference. That's his style, though. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll definitely get into that. Oh, bless his but, little heart. Uh, my husband saw that pop up on the screen. It's like Emily. 
And he was like, you found that dork attractive? Yes. I was like, mind your business. Because we were 12 and 13 years old, okay? Like, our, our standards are not very high. They low. Um, so, yes, we will definitely go through anyway, the evolution. The How's Greg, Greg Looking section will have content in it <laughs> later. Once. Just not this episode. because. Right. So, next we have an episode MVP. And we're going to... Each of us are going to choose one character that wins the most in the episode. Who has the most character development or who just, you know, wins the episode in general. And mine is a little bit out of the ordinary. My MVP is the actress who plays Tina. That sounds really weird. Yeah. But I feel like her acting was so good for what a complex storyline she was given. And I know she wasn't given very many lines. But I just but like she thought right she did really, really well. Like I was yeah. most impressed with her. There was a lot of like there was a lot of Grissom, there was a lot of Sarah, and there was quite a bit of Catherine. Catherine was my runner up uh-huh. because she we had her that scene with like her um her daughter and her ex husband and all uh-huh. that stuff. But I just think Tina, because of the actress that plays her and all that her character went through. She right. was my and MVP. especially being paired with Dakota Fanning. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not going to make it a habit of, <laughs> of choosing, like, side characters or, like, people that are only in one episode because that's not the point of the section. But right. for this episode, but I thought that she deserved it. this episode was, was really heavy. Yeah, it was. And it was more crime-centered instead of the detective stories. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes, not it was very about, crime-centered. Yeah. <clears throat> not that it's not throughout the whole thing, obviously, because there's how solving the crime. But there, there's a lot of the episodes main focus that was yeah. more on the murder. Yeah, there's a lot of episodes where they're solving a crime, but the texts have their own, like personal yes, stories. That's speaking of personal stories. So Warwick has a gambling problem. Oh, yes. So in the previous episodes, he is in cahoots with I think he's a judge. I'm oh. Not particularly sure, and he is like gambling really really bad and got in like a really tight spot mm-hmm. and it's 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 like one of those like you're basically under my thumb you do what i tell Dang. you kind of thing. It okay was like pretty intense and so like he almost lost his job yeah over it and this is like really early in the season too like this so this is yeah no kidding seven. this is seven and they've already established that that's pretty good yeah it was like. like within like the first like six episodes for like a 22 episode season like csi does that's pretty good yeah so uh so work has a gambling problem he kind of gets into bad trouble. Um, he does go to Grissom, and it just kind of plays out. And at the end of it, he does uh, kind of get out from underneath that, and a bunch of people get in trouble, and it's, it's a whole big thing. Uh-huh. Um, but he does get to keep his job. So, I mean, like, pretty early on is, is pretty... That's pretty good. Like, the, the character development in that. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's obviously it didn't focus anything on that on yeah. this episode. But, um. But yeah, we'll definitely get into that as as far as the other episodes go. Yep. So, who is your episode MVP? I would say Catherine. Catherine. Yeah. yeah. Because of what I've seen before, and then like leading up to that, um, even though she is a workaholic, but look at her job, look at her uh, schedule and stuff. But she really tries to like really yeah. be a part of her daughter's life. Yep. So, yeah. I would say Catherine. Alrighty. So. I think we've got to the end of all that we were going to talk about. So we were going to we're going to rank the episode one through five, and then we're going to give our final thoughts and whether or not we think it deserves its place in the top fifty ranking from IMDb. So I gave the episode a three 
out of five. And my reasoning is I, I think that the crime is really well thought out and mm-hmm. it's very procedural and I feel like it's very legitimate. It's not fanciful really or anything like that until kind of at the end where you get that like big twist. Mm-hmm. And I like that. However, I feel like I need some more of the tech personality coming through. Right. I I want more of Nick and Warwick having a gambling problem. Like, that interests me, is mm-hmm. these characters. I like them solving the crimes, but I like these characters solving the crimes specifically. Otherwise, right. I don't care so much. And Grissom and Sarah get on my nerves a lot of the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, 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 I like their development. I really do. Yeah. But they didn't really develop this episode. They just kind of existed. They were, they were just there. Yeah. So, that kind of suffered it for me. But... I thought Tina was wonderful. The lack of Greg docked at a point. Um, oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Three is where I kind of landed. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, like, at least, like, a two or three. Mm-hmm. Because no Greg. Right. That's a problem. It is a problem. Top priority. That's a problem. Um, I do agree about the episode. It was more crime-centered and not the character development yeah. of, of that. Um, which is okay in a sense. It is. It's kind of like a... Not necessarily a palate cleanser, but like, kind of what we're what they're actually a doing break, yeah. About. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not just a story about the text. It's it's actually yeah. Like you have to doing. really have a proper procedural and, in there so ever so yeah, often. So. So, and you can't just be like willy nilly with like <laughs> this uh-huh. this stuff. Yeah, especially um, a storyline this deep. Oh, it's very heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good that they didn't like break that heaviness up. That seriousness, yeah, it would have worked. Because it was right, like you, it, you can't take it serious if it's going to be like broken up. Yeah. So yeah, I do agree. Um, the fashion is not not too great, um, but it's not bad. Mm-hmm. So that kind of you know, it's been worse. Yeah, for sure. God. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would definitely be in like the two, two, three range. Two, three range. Maybe like a two point five. Yeah kind of be in the middle there do you feel like this episode is worth being in the top 10 episodes of the entire series so with it being ranked on number eight yeah of the list uh-huh. i feel like it was only ranked that high because of the actual murder yes i agree and it's not 100 the actual show it's a very mm-hmm. shocking storyline at the very end it's a very shocking twist right and so I think that that is, like you said, that's why it's ranked so high by viewers. Mm-hmm. I don't think it deserves to be in the top 10. Honestly, I don't think it deserves to be to in the be top in 50. The top, <laughs> to, to be in the top 10 is, is you got some pretty high standards. Yeah. Um, but I think the subject matter is what got it in the top 10. Yeah, the shocking But I feel like it. if we're, like, once we go through this series and go, like, toward the end, mm-hmm. maybe we can, like, as we go through, kind of make notes of, like, where we would rank it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, at the end, let's, like, re-rank it. Yeah. Does that make sense? I'll take like, note talk- of our, like, one to five. Mm-hmm. And... At the very end, we'll do like a revised list. Like, yes. Because I feel like it was very crime-centered, um, f- not only for the episode and because like the lack of character interaction yeah. and the fact that it made it in the top ten. I mean, there must have been some standards that people had. Yeah, <laughs> going, in, in, the top going in, I expected it to be a lot better than it was. It's still a yeah, good episode, but because it's ranked so high, I was like, this is going to be a good one. I was so excited. Yes. And then I was like... Like, okay, <laughs> oh, it's all right. Okay, that's what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, let's definitely keep that in mind we to um, do like a rework of um, especially the top ten. Yes. Let's, let's make especially. that especially um, because we have to have Greg, 
And that yes. took a lot That's of points. A, <laughs> it did take a lot of points. It took off. a lot of points. That's <laughs> I was being gracious uh, with the 2.5. Okay. Um, I wanted to give it like a one, um, to be honest with you. And I do like the name of the episode. What can we, can we like correlate the the name of the episode versus like what the episode's about? We can because there are some doozies. <laughs> yeah. Well, so like blood drops, it like it makes sense because they're trying to figure out the blood pattern because of the the cult symbol kind yes. of thing. And like that's what it doesn't make Hughes, sense with the dad. To yeah. Like, yeah. That's what so, keeps her in. But but blood drop analysis is actually a pretty um interesting subject yeah it is fascinating that you can be like you can like specialize in that mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty intense yep the episode episode three is titled crate and burial yeah and <laughs> <laughs> who <laughs> who came up <laughs> yeah which let me that. see what episode was was that see if i remember Number three like, it says the search is on for an abductive woman while a hit and run death of a little girl is investigated Crate and burial. All right. Well, we've made it through our first episode. We did, did it. Lord help us. I know. <laughs> it, is, it is a long day. It's so Friday. <laughs> we're going to do our best to post these once a week or so. Uh, we're still kind of figuring out the schedule. But in the meantime, you yes. can connect with us on Instagram at um, send, this, send to trace pod. And through email to send this to tracepod at gmail.com. Um, so if you have any of your nostalgia of like what brought you either with your friends to uh, come together and like discuss this kind of show, was yeah. it just one character or was it just the subject matter? Was or like it... even if there's any um, episodes outside the 50 rank, you can find that list online. Absolutely. It's not a secret. Yes. Um, if there's any that you particularly like that are not in that list let that us know and be. maybe we'll do some like little bonus tidbits yes absolutely in between mm-hmm. so all right folks that's it for us we will see you next time yes bye bye <laughs> <laughs>